Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon. I'd like to turn to our very first topic and guest of today. In the next 20 minutes or so, we'll be marking International Domestic Workers Day on the program, and we'll be discussing some of the challenges faced by migrant workers that have been brought on by the pandemic. And to talk more about this, I'm really delighted to be joined on the program by Manisha Weejay-Singer, the Executive Director at Help for Domestic Workers, which is a local NGO that provides free advice and assistance on employment, immigration and human rights issues to domestic workers here in Hong Kong. Welcome on the program, Manisha. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Hi, Noreen. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very, very excited to be here with you too. Me too. I, I was saying um, off air just now, you've been on my radar for, for quite a while, so I'm really <laughs> delighted that uh, I get the opportunity uh, to invite you this afternoon. And for our listeners uh, who want to be viewers this afternoon, feel free to hop onto Facebook Live, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see and hear Manisha this afternoon. So perhaps uh, for some of our listeners who are not so familiar with your NGO. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, the work you do at Help for Domestic Workers. Sure. Um, Help for Domestic Workers, we have been in operation since 1989. So this year we are celebrating 32 years. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, and we were a small organization that was set up um, with just one table and chair at St. John's Cathedral. And from that, we've grown into this organization. Um, what we do at Help is we provide advice and assistance and education to domestic workers. And more recently, we have been reaching out to employees employers as well, uh, particularly because our overarching mission is to provide access to justice for domestic workers um, and make sure that they receive fair and equal treatment. Um, and we realize that in order to do this, we really need to support both domestic workers and employers. They're both very important parts of the same equation. So that's why um, our work, we reach out to both parties and assist them in having a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. Let's um, perhaps let's let's talk a little bit more about the struggles that domestic workers face when it comes to gaining justice. What, what sorts of uh, uh, troubles do they have when trying to gain access to, to justice? Um, definitely, domestic workers. Given the background from where they are, many of our domestic workers come from Philippines, from Indonesia. Um, that usually is around 50% from the Philippines, about 49% from Indonesia, and then a few other countries um, such as Sri Lanka, India, Nepal, Thailand. And given the countries where they originate from, um, the domestic workers do face particular vulnerabilities, uh, particularly in respect of getting access to information. Um, you know, being in a country where you don't speak the two major languages very fluently, none of the domestic worker originating countries speak English and Cantonese as their main languages. So when they come here, even if the information is available, it's not practically accessible by them. So that's definitely one of the primary issues. A language barrier. The language yeah. barrier is definitely one of the primary issues. And then the other thing is some of the domestic workers do face mistrust with the authorities with people who do offer support so that is another big barrier that they have why is that um it 
also comes back to the originating countries. Sometimes uh, the countries that they come from may not have really robust legal systems. And so there is an inbuilt distrust among domestic workers when they come here. And that is definitely something that we see play out as well, time and time again. Particularly, uh, we have seen domestic workers who do face situations of abuse and exploitation being really scared to go to the police or being really scared to go to the immigration. And this is fed into by sometimes the employment agencies and bad actors because they do feed into it and say, well, if you go and complain against the abuses that you're facing, immigration department will blacklist you or you will be deported without giving any entitlements. So it is fed into and that really creates a cycle of mistrust and misinformation, which makes it really difficult for domestic workers to escape situations of abuse. Yeah. So what sorts of information and what sorts of uh, education or access to, uh, and, and material do, do you give them? Um, so we, we run education programs before the pandemic. Those were all face to face. Um, and after the pandemic, of course, we've moved everything online. Uh, we've definitely seen pros and cons for both. With the face-to-face programs, we've seen that it does create a sense of community, particularly, as I said, there is a lot of mistrust and misinformation. So having that sense of community and seeing other domestic workers like themselves, uh, being able to establish that network is really important. But what we've seen last year with the online programs is it has really helped us in expand our reach, um, particularly to the smaller communities, to the Sri Lankans, the Indians, the Nepalese, because we're able to reach them where they are unable to come to our offices for, let's say, Sunday lessons. And what we usually cover in these education programs are everything from their legal rights um, to any questions that they have about their immigration status. A lot of domestic workers do have issues related to illegal money lending problems. And then we also cover things like how to have a good relationship with your employer, how to have those difficult conversations. Because again, as I said, they are in a foreign country. So there is this trepidation on how can I have this conversation with my employer that I'm not really comfortable with what's going on. So we try to give them a rounded idea of how to have a good relationship in Hong Kong. Yeah, and it's a rather unique situation. You know, many of us are employed by our employers, but we don't live with them, um, thankfully. And, you know, and sometimes that can that, that can create some conflicts within itself. And so it's it's quite difficult, I suppose, for, for some domestic workers to navigate that relationship, you know. Um, when are the off hours? Are you truly sort of um, off your off duty? That's quite difficult, I suppose, those kind of conversations. Definitely. Um, living living with your employer is never easy. Um, and we've seen this become a very big problem last year with the pandemic, um, with the employer's families being at home, children being homeschooled, people going to work on Zoom. Um, so it has been quite difficult last year in particular where domestic workers have been expected to work for extra long hours or work even sometimes during their rest days because of this blurring of lines between what is work and what is your home. Um, and even from the employer side, it is quite difficult given that Hong Kong homes are so small. So small, yes. It is very difficult to be an employer and draw that line between being an employer 
and also being with somebody you're living with and they know all your secrets. They know what's going on in your family. So it is a really difficult situation for both parties. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why we want to try and reach out across the aisle and try to talk with both parties and help them reach that agreement. So one of the things that we usually suggest for employers is, you know, when you start an employment relationship, sit down and manage expectations and say, you know, this is what our family's dynamics are like and this is what you might expect from us and draw boundaries. You know, you can say this to me or this is the way you can speak about my children, but this is not what I want you to do. So that you can try to manage that employment and familial relationship that you do inevitably have with the domestic worker. And that makes complete sense, Manisha, because some of these ladies are so experienced. They've worked for different families and each different family will have different dynamics and different expectations for for what they have to to do. Uh, This afternoon, uh, we're chatting with Manisha Vijay Singer, who is the Executive uh, Director at Help for Domestic Workers, which is a local NGO that provides free advice and assistance on employment immigration and human rights issue to domestic workers in Hong Kong. They're also cross the bridge and also helping employers as well here in Hong Kong. And I hope our listeners can join us on Facebook uh, this afternoon. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. Sadie writes in to say, uh, Manisha is awesome. I, I agree with that. That's why she's a guest on, on the show. Thank you very much, Sadie. So um, I, I want to sort of also ask the difficulties that they face during COVID. You touched on a, a really good point that housing in Hong Kong is quite difficult. It's small and everybody's in their own space. I I, I must say, uh, during the pandemic, we also heard that um, because uh, people were worried about COVID, a lot of the times domestic workers weren't necessarily given a day off or they weren't really allowed to go out on their rest day. Uh, How how common was that? Did did you come across cases like that? We did, definitely. Um, And there was an increase of cases where domestic workers weren't allowed to leave their employment location for a period of more than six months sometimes. Six Um, months? Definitely. Um, We had one particular case last year where there was a domestic worker who had come to Hong Kong and... um, the uh, she had been told that because of the pandemic and because domestic workers do, don't usually have a place to congregate she wouldn't be allowed to take her sunday holidays um and she had spent 8 months and Eight months had been absolutely the limit. And one morning, I actually dealt with the case where she called us and she had run out into the park and got somebody in the park to call our organization. And we were able to send a vehicle for her to get her to a safe shelter, uh, support her um, and help her have that conversation because it had been that limit where she couldn't manage continuing working every day for eight months. That's insane just to hear. I mean, that must take its toll on its on people's mental health. And we hear cases of, of how COVID has taken a toll on, on people's mental health. What's been the impact um, for migrant workers? Very much so. I mean, there was this, uh, there was a report done by one of the other nonprofits as well, where uh, 72% of domestic workers had reported that they had mental health issues because of the stress from COVID. And it's not only related to the work, not only related to longer working hours, because the family is at home, but also because they were really worried about their own families back home. A lot of the countries where domestic workers come from, COVID is 
going around like wildfire. A lot of the places don't have the support networks Hong Kong has. So a lot of them were very, very concerned. And then in addition, their family members had lost employment back home in the Philippines or Indonesia. So they had to send extra money home. So lots of stresses. And Help actually started a program called Me Heal, uh, which is a support program uh, that provides mental health support for domestic workers. Um, and we opened the lines and within two hours, we had 44 responses, Wow! which was quite insane. Um, my team member who's managing the project was very, very overwhelmed within those first two hours. But it really shows the need. Um, and for us, you know, mental health, uh, providing support in respect of shelter, in respect of financial support, that all feeds into supporting the domestic workers. Because we believe that, you know, if you don't give all that additional support, they really can't make decisions that are beneficial for them or even beneficial for the relationship. If somebody's stressed, they're going to make the wrong decision. So that's one of the reasons why we had to step in and support our community. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm a real firm believer that uh, migrant workers are really the backbone of Hong Kong's economy. I mean, I'm sitting here this afternoon because I have a wonderful auntie at home looking after, you know, the kids. And I, I think I think a lot of times people think of mental health as being a bit of a, a luxury, but it's a necessity. And and this also should be extended for migrant workers. I mean, as employers, what can we do to encourage that conversation? You know, um, perhaps check in with them. How should we start that conversation? Um, very much so. I think having an open discussion about mental health is definitely a starting point. Again, going back to the fact that a lot of domestic workers come from communities where mental health is very much stigmatized. And it is a topic that is to be feared. Um, even when we were coming up Chinese community very much yes. so um, when we were coming up with the program we originally had called our project mental health project and when we piloted it we realized that not a lot of domestic workers were taking it up and that's why we changed the name to me heal uh, empowering and saying that you know you were healing yourself as opposed to the fact that this was something to do with being crazy or being something wrong with them um, so as employers, definitely, you know, checking in maybe once a week or when you're, when you're having your one, uh, once a month discussion, checking in with them, asking them. And it can be something as innocuous as asking, you know, how is your family doing? Are you yeah. worried about them? And not situating that conversation as, are you having a mental health problem? Because there is a fear as well that, you know, if my employer thinks I have a mental health problem, my contract is going to get terminated. So starting those conversations conversations from easier topics would really help. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, Manisha, I'm, I'm also curious to know more sort of cases that you've worked on this previous year, some maybe related to the pandemic, or what other sort of maltreatments have you come across? Um, with the pandemic, it's it's actually been interesting. Um, the legal professional in me has had quite an interesting year kind of seeing how um, you know, there have been social upheavals and how the law and policies have had to change with that. Um, and it, last year was such an interesting case study. So, for example, when we started last year and when COVID started coming about, you had all these questions about what is COVID? How contagious is it? So we saw lots of cases of 
domestic workers being terminated because of those fears. So, for example, we had one domestic worker who took a holiday to go to the hospital, and by the time she came back, her employment contract had been terminated because on what grounds? On the grounds that she had she might bring back a very contagious illness, and oh. at that point, COVID was very much an unknown factor. So there was that fear. And yes, we supported her in getting her employment entitlements, supported her in a discrimination claim, but those were kind of how it started. And then once, once people got to know, you know, what was COVID, how contagious it was, that those questions changed slowly. And then we started seeing issues about travel restrictions. Can my domestic worker go back on leave? Um, If I go on leave back home, can my employer terminate my contract? So things like that. And then now more recently, we've had questions around um, the quarantine. And that has been a big discussion. So there have been questions related to, you know, should I pay my domestic worker a salary if I'm paying for their quarantine arrangements? And that, again, has been something that is very unclear. Sort of a gray area. It is a gray area. So we've had lots of domestic workers coming and saying, you know, I have had quarantine arrangements done by the employer, but the hotel provides me 21 days worth of ramen noodles and 21 bottles of water. So does that really count? Um, and we've, we've had lots of horror stories in respect of hotels not providing adequate food. And it's really been tough for domestic workers because unlike, let's say, if I travel back home and come back to quarantine in three weeks, I have a support network. I have friends who will deliver food. I can order Deliveroo. Whereas a domestic worker who's sometimes the first time in Hong Kong doesn't have any of those support networks. So we have had calls of domestic workers asking for food deliveries, asking for water, something as basic as water. water. So it has been quite... The issues have changed over the year, but it has been quite interesting to see how the cases have changed. Yeah, well, finally, Manisha, before I let you go, so, so what happens if a, if a, a domestic worker, a migrant worker, suspects of being uh, ill-treated? What can the first step be? Sometimes it's quite scary to sort of report about your employer, but what, what can they do? It is. Um, it is scary, and not only that, the legal system is quite complex. Sometimes there may be instances where they might think it is a problem, but it really isn't supported by law. Um, So let's say we have issues like that as well. So what we would say is definitely reach out for support. And as part of that, so last year, HELP actually started a virtual uh, helpline where domestic workers can reach out to us through WhatsApp, through Facebook, through email, and through our hotline services. And we have amazing volunteer lawyers from our partner law firm who are available online who can first guide you through the issues and talk to you and see whether those issues are supported by legal policies so that they can make the best decisions possible. Because for instance, let's say a domestic worker feels that they are being mistreated and they feel that they have the right to leave the house immediately without giving one month notice. But sometimes what we've seen is the treatment isn't egregious enough for them to give one month notice. And then once they leave the employer's house, they end up having to pay the notice fee. So it is always better to get 
advice first so that we can support them. And it's the same way in the other hand as well. Even where employers do feel that there are issues, it's always best to get advice because the legal system is quite complex and just having a second pair of eyes advising you is always the best option. Yeah, and I noticed that with Help for Domestic Workers, you have a really great online presence as well because I noticed that perhaps that's where migrant workers get their information from, from online. Have you noticed that as well? Very much so. Um, and again, that was something that we learned last year. So... Um, domestic workers actually there is this sense of community and one of the things that we did last year was move our online presence to community leaders networks as opposed to the help web page so where we would if we have a webinar or an information session on our website and get say a hundred views when we sometimes do webinars on our community leaders social media we get around 10,000 because it's because they follow those community leaders very much so and there's there's an inbuilt sense of trust because what they see is someone like me someone who has my same experiences trusts this organization and says to trust them so i will Um, So that is something that we've done over the last year. So giving the domestic workers, not only giving them a voice, but then working with them and improving the leadership within the community. Absolutely. Manisha, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you this afternoon. Um, can, we, uh, can you remind our listeners uh, the website and also the, the, the Instagram and Facebook accounts uh, for help for domestic workers? Um, definitely. Um, very, very easy. It's www.helpfordomesticworkers.org and our Instagram and Facebook handles are just help for domestic workers. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And this afternoon, we were chatting to Manisha Weejay Singer, the Executive Director at Help for Domestic Workers. Thank you so much. Thank you.